From Schwartz Media, I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. For months, scientists have been warning us that if global vaccination rates didn't lift, new, potentially more dangerous strains of COVID-19 could emerge. Now, it looks like their fears might have been realised. Today, senior reporter for the Saturday paper, Rick Morton, on the threat posed by the Omicron variant and how vaccine hoarding by rich nations is helping prolong the pandemic. It's Thursday, December 2. Rick, it was back in February of 2020 that you and I first spoke about COVID-19 on 7am. Since then, we've had many conversations, but lately it has felt like things have been returning to normal, that we might be at the end of the pandemic. Then a few days ago, it seemed like that might be under threat with this new variant, Omicron. A lot of people are very worried. So what do we know? So Omicron is a new variant of COVID-19, and we've had a number of them over the past 18 months, so that's nothing special about that. Of course, you'll know the Delta variant is the one that's most concerned us so far. And, you know, these variants, particularly Delta, has forced most of the country into lockdowns this year because of just how transmissible it was. But according to the president of pharmaceutical giant Moderna, Stephen Hogue, this new variant is a Frankenstein mix of all the greatest hits, right? which is why it's triggered everyone's alarm bells. Now, it's named after the Greek letter O, and Omicron was classified as a variant of concern officially by the World Health Organization last week. And it first emerged in Southern Africa, and it it seems to be spreading fast. Certainly, it's popped up in a few places now. Scientists in South Africa are warning against a new coronavirus variant of extreme concern. The new variant has already surfaced in neighbouring Botswana, Hong Kong... So already Omicron accounts for most of the 2,300 new daily cases in the province of Hauteng, South Africa. The strain has a high number of mutations and is already spreading rapidly in South Africa. Where new infections have more than tripled in the past week. Cases there surging from 100 to more than 1,000 per day. In response to this, most countries, including Australia, went into autopilot and shut their borders to the eight southern African countries. The US, Canada, Europe and Israel joined the UK in restricting travel from six affected Japan joins Israel and Morocco in sealing its borders to all foreigners. The federal and state governments are moving quickly to restrict international arrivals in the wake of the Omicron variant. But since then, the Omicron variant was also detected in Israel and Hong Kong and a half dozen European countries, including the United Kingdom, Belgium, the Netherlands. And it's also now appeared in Australia as well. A woman spending time in Western Sydney and on the New South Wales Central Coast before testing positive to Omicron. Right, so we're seeing cases of the Omicron variant here in Australia. The government has already shut the borders to some countries. What else is it doing? So, yeah, we were meant to open our international border on December 1. We're here to give you a brief update on uh, the uh, latest actions in relation to the Omicron variant. But that's now been delayed by at least two weeks. We're doing this out of an abundance of caution, uh, but our overwhelming view is that uh, whilst it's uh, an emerging variant, it's a manageable variant. We know. That- so what was going to happen, of course, was that international students and visa holders and other types of 
um, I think economic workers, as the Home Affairs Minister called them, were going to be allowed into the country. That's now not going to happen until December 15 at least. Okay, so the world is taking the Omicron variant seriously. Can you tell me more, though, Rick, about why it is that we're seeing this kind of response? What is it about this particular mutation that makes this a variant of concern? So the really spectacular thing about this mutation, uh, this new variant, is that there are 30 mutations of the spike protein, which is the bit that causes most of the problems with COVID-19. 26 of those seem to be unique. And to put that into perspective, Delta has uh, about 10 mutations and Beta has six. Now, the problem with that is that our COVID vaccines work by training the body to look out for certain viruses. And there's a bit of flexibility built in for different formations of the same virus structure. But if the virus has mutated too much, say there were many changes to the spike protein, which is what we're seeing now, then the body's immune system may uh, no longer recognise the virus as a threat, or it means that the vaccines won't work as well. So um, at this stage, in, um, what we are observing um, is mild cases. Now, the good news is that the first South African doctor to raise the alarm about patients with the Omicron variant, Dr Angelique Kurtzi, said that while the variant might be more infectious, the symptoms seem mild so far. So mild um, cases, again, to easily treat it at home. The cases that we have seen last week and the week before last week, also mild cases. So cling on to that little bit of hope. And of course, as we mentioned, vaccines are still an effective way to ward off severe illness and death. Although, of course, booster doses may be needed to protect more people or the, you know, the largest number of people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so understanding all of that, Rick, how worried do you think that we should be about Omicron? Do you want my personal view or do you want my reporter view? My personal view is there's no point stressing about something that you can't control. The reportage answer is it's too early to tell. It really is. Now, we should take some comfort in the fact that here in Australia we've currently got about 85, in fact, I think it's 87% now, double dose for people over 12. We're also rolling out our booster program, which will further fortify people's defences and people who are immunocompromised have already had or are still getting their third booster doses. I know a lot of people who have had their third shots over the last couple of months, actually. So that's the good news. But there are people in other countries with far lower vaccine rates, and for them, this variant poses a significant risk. The irony of this situation, of course, is that it's these places with low vaccination rates, thanks to rich countries kind of hogging the vaccine, that is the likely cause of this mutation in the first place. Because it's the vaccination rate, if it's too low, you are guaranteeing that you're going to get a new variant of this virus. That's just the way viruses work. And so that is what we're dealing with here. It's the low vaccination rates that have created this problem. And that's on all of us. We'll be back in a moment. Need a reminder of what political leadership looks like? Australia's master of political satire, Jonathan Biggins, is back embodying the iconic Paul Keating, visionary, reformer and rabble-rouser. Due to overwhelming demand, one-man comedy The Gospel According to Paul is returning to the Opera House, on from the 4th to 23rd of June for its final term ever. Secure your tickets now at sydneyoperahouse.com for an unforgettable evening. 
For long-time editor Winnie Dunn, there were a few rules she followed when writing her debut novel. I really don't subscribe to writing for the sake of, you know, trauma dumping or getting your trauma out. That's what a therapist is for, please. <laughs> please go see a therapist. We're very pro-therapy on yeah, yeah, if, that's, no, if that's what you're using writing for. I'm Michael Williams, and on this week's very therapeutic episode of Read This, I chat with Winnie Dunn. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Rick, when we talk about low vaccination rates in some countries, how low are we talking? Yeah, so Director General of the World Health Organization, Dr Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, said, in a global pandemic, none of us will be safe until everyone is safe. And so the WHO set the benchmark for every country to vaccinate at least 40% of its people by the end of 2021, by the end of this year. And in most high-income countries, we've cleared that. Vax rates average 61% right now. But in Africa, it's a completely different story. Only nine countries have vaccinated 10 or more percent of their populations. And perhaps most concerning is that almost half of the countries in Africa have a vaccination rate below 2%. Why is that the case, Rick? Why are vaccination rates that low, 2%? Is this a supply issue? So obviously countries were doing their own deals with pharmaceutical companies about vaccines, and it is estimated that up to 70% of all vaccines that were produced in 2021, this year, were pre-booked by just a handful of countries. So when vaccines began to be distributed, we were seeing millions of doses administered every week in richer countries, but no vaccines at all making their way to low-income countries. In fact, Some countries were beginning to roll out boosters and vaccinating children before many low-income countries have even given their adults a first dose. So the vaccination rate gap between low-income and high-income countries began to grow and grow and grow. Mm. And Australia is one of those rich countries. We're also a country that has high vaccination rates. So what should we be doing here, Rick, to try and address this inequality? Well, we should be distributing more vaccines. We've given some to Fiji and in our region, of course. You know, you might remember that a few months ago, the federal government announced that we were closing down domestic AstraZeneca manufacturing. It was supposed to be our Australian-made vaccine that would protect the vast majority of us from COVID, AstraZeneca. And we discarded millions of AstraZeneca vaccines because people wanted to shop around. But the jab that saved the United Kingdom will no longer be produced in Melbourne because Pfizer and Moderna is what most people want. They didn't think it was a good enough vaccine, despite all the evidence pointing to the fact that it was. In fact, it might have even been better than Pfizer, at least. Mm. Okay, so it seems, Rick, like there are a few different ways that wealthy countries including Australia, have contributed to this vaccine inequality. But can you tell me how the result of that, which is these developing nations having low vaccine rates, is actually leading to the creation of more variants like Omicron? So if you've got a virus and it's moving through populations around the world, the more people that virus infects, the more it has to copy its own genetic or RNA structure. And the more copies that take place, the more transcription errors happen in that copying process. Uh, That's what we call a mutation. Now, what vaccinations do, of course, is limit that potential for change through limiting the potential for transmission. And our absence of leadership in helping to vaccinate the world, not just in Australia, but in most, if not all, developed nations, has directly contributed to the circumstance which allows the virus to keep spreading at 
fast rates through under-vaccinated populations. That is a recipe for allowing mutations to arrive. Mm. And Rick, we've all come to realise how futile it is to try and predict what will happen next in this pandemic, and we are still gathering information about this particular variant. We're still in the early days. But how likely do you think it is that we will be able to have some sort of normal 2022, or is this a sign that the third year of COVID-19 might be just as difficult as the past two? Yeah, that's a very good question. Uh, You know, scientists have reacted more quickly to Omicron than to any other variant in just 36 hours from the first signs of trouble in South Africa on Tuesday. Uh, Researchers analysed samples from 100 infected patients. You know, that was an extremely speedy response. But unfortunately, we won't know the results from this testing for at least two weeks. Pfizer and Moderna are preparing, of course, to reformulate their shots if necessary. Pfizer has said that it can create a new vaccine to respond to this new variant in 100 days. Now, in Australia and in other wealthier countries with high rates of vaccinations, we should be okay. We should be fine. There's no evidence yet that vaccines aren't effective against Omicron in terms of limiting serious illness and health. Let me just say that again. No evidence yet that the vaccines are not effective. The one thing I would stress, I guess, is that the the situation is a reminder that the pandemic isn't over in a global sense and we can't ignore the rest of the world. If you don't vaccinate the world, you do not get out of this pandemic um, as easily as you otherwise might have. Mm. I suppose that's the point here, Rick, because as long as large parts of the world remain unvaccinated, it's likely that more variants will arrive that will keep going through the Greek alphabet like this. It's literally not just likely, it's guaranteed. It's a statistical analysis of how long it takes and how many places in the world are unvaccinated versus how long the virus is allowed to keep spreading before you get another variant. Whether it's a variant of concern or not, the genetic structure of these viruses, or the RNA structure, I should say, will keep changing. That's just a fact. Rick, thank you so much for your time. Thanks, Ruby. Appreciate it. Winnie Dunn has made a career out of helping others find their literary voice, and now it's her turn in the spotlight. This week on Read This, join me, Michael Williams, as I chat with Winnie about her debut. Find it wherever you listen. Also in the news today, Australia has now recorded seven cases of the Omicron COVID-19 variant in total, six of which are in New South Wales. In response to the spread of Omicron, New South Wales authorities have listed further exposure sites and announced an increase in penalties for COVID-19 non-compliance. But despite the rising cases of the new variant, the New South Wales Health Minister, Brad Hazard, said he and the Premier are not keen to see a return to lockdown. And former Attorney General Christian Porter has announced he'll be quitting Parliament at the next election. Porter announced his resignation on Facebook, writing that he was quitting to spend more time with his family. He was accused of raping a woman in 1988, a claim he denied. He sued the ABC, who originally published the allegations for defamation and ultimately discontinued the case. I'm Ruby Jones. This is 7am. See you tomorrow.